0: Welcome to the All About Digital Marketing Podcast. The show all about digital marketing, digital marketing, digital marketing,
1: digital marketing.
0: Brought to you by Social Inc., digital marketing agency specializing in social media and content marketing for brave brands and forward thinking SMEs. I'm your host, Chris Bruno. And as always, we're here to bring you the most actionable tips, tricks, tools, and insights to help you achieve more when it comes to your digital marketing. Subscribe to the show and be sure to share with a friend if you found something useful or interesting. You can find all the show notes and more information on www.allaboutdigitalmarketing.co.uk.
2: Janisha, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Chris, for having me on your show. Well, I'm looking forward to this because we're going to be talking about something that I believe is crucial for every business in every industry, and that's building a network. But before we get started on this, I've had a chance to read your bio. But for people who don't know you, can you give them a little bit of a history about what you've done and how you've got to where you are today?
1: Well, I now run a network called Soul Rich Woman, a leading female entrepreneur network here in Southeast Asia. And before that, I run a cafe retail chain. We were in three countries, Singapore, Malaysia, and Indonesia, and we had 18 franchisees and licensees. But before all these happened, I was supporting myself through school since I was 14 years old, often being bullied, often the subject of... I would say, the point of focus where everything just pent on me, right? That was quite a devastating season in my life. But I would say that good thing my mom is a savior and a pillar of strength. And she's always telling me to turn my mess into my message. Later on, I became Miss Singapore. I also graduated as an occupational therapist. And then I started my consulting business teaching leaders, CEOs, and politicians in personal branding, and then guiding them on their speeches, of their speeches on stage. So all these things came to a halt when, because I started really early, I kind of go through a midlife crisis or quarter life crisis way much earlier in my years. So I asked myself, is this the life that I want? Do I want to trade time for money? I work, I get paid, I work, I get paid, I don't work, I don't get paid. So in 2012, I went online and then I made quite a fair bit of money. I would say $100,000 in three months. I made a million dollars within a single year just by teaching entrepreneurs how to move online at the same time, me, myself, moving online. So that really transformed my business and my life and my perspectives of how business can be run uh, in the place that you call home, the playground, or wherever you are act.
2: That's amazing. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> one, fantastic. And I think your mum sounds like she was absolutely a rock for for you in terms of helping you out. Two, I can't believe people bullied you. I think that's uh, outrageous. But one of the main thing is you mentioned you created a coffee chain, uh, a retail coffee chain. So how did you get involved in that? What was the, because that's a big shift, right, from everything else that you had been doing?
1: Yeah. First and foremost, because I've got money in my bank, <laughs> that that's for sure, right? You're looking for something to invest in and do something, right? But you see, I was not into f I was not a barista, I had no zero business experience, zero F&B experience, zero coffee experience, literally zero. But why did I even enter into a cafe retail chain business? Well, that's because I found very good partners who I work with and each of us manifested in our own role. What does this mean? It means that I was going in PR and marketing, the other partner was in franchise, one partner was in operations, the other one was in something else. So all of us came together and our powers combined, we have Captain Planet. (laughs) So literally, we, we function legally and individually to the best that we can. And that's how we grew the business. So three things I learned. In partnerships, always have legalities of contracts involved. Who do what? And also what kind of uh, let's see, equity each of us do. If the company make money, what is the equity involved? Do we need to top up to a certain amount? If there is no money in the bank, will there be dilution of shares? So all these things must be spelled out. Okay, that's why we were successful, because we spelled everything out clearly. The second thing is each of us function in our own role and zone of genius. Don't overstep. Just do what we do best. We come over, we agree to disagree. Last but not least, is to really put our minds together and have one leader. You can't have two lions in a jungle. You have one king of the jungle and follow that one so even though we are five partners we are all business owners we run our own stuff when we came together we followed one leader and all of us came together to contribute and move as a ship with one captain on board
2: that's amazing actually there's a couple of things you mentioned again like the idea of everyone staying not in their lane but actually being able to concentrate and focus on what they do best so that they're focusing 100% on the task that they're going to succeed at. And then the second thing is obviously that leader thing. I think this is so important for, for any startup, right, is everyone's opinion matters, but there has to be one decision maker. And at the end, you know, well, it all rests on that person. He or she has to take the responsibility, whether it goes really, really well, or whether it goes really, really badly. But everyone's input's important, but that final decision has to be made. And you're right. By having that written down, by having it clear as day, there is no mistaking that. There's no sort of arguments or problems afterwards. And especially, I'm sure you've seen this as well, when friends get into business together. Uh, And there can often be problems later on down the line when somebody's not feeling like the other one's pulling their weight or whatever the problem might be. Again, a very simple shareholders agreement, having those things outlined as to who's going to do what, how, where, why and when. And what happens if things should unfortunately go wrong?
1: Yeah, definitely. I had a failed business partnership. And that was why I love this relationship or business partnership. Before that, I had a failed one. I went into a six-figure debt because of the failed partnership. Like what you said, friends coming together, writing down on a napkin and said, Hey, let's start a business today. All right, so I'll be the major shareholder. I'll just be a sleeping sleeping partner. And then the other two draw salary. They They just do whatever they needed to do. By the end, who's accountable? I thought I was a sleeping partner. Well, I slept through it, and in the end, I had to bear the brunt of all this shit. So <laughs> been there done that
2: we We've all got a couple of horror stories. If you've been doing <laughs> If you've been working for yourself or in business for a while, everyone's got a couple of horror stories. But it's fun because actually a lot of people don't talk about this. They'll tell you about, you know, the business that they built and that got acquired and that they made money on. And that was fantastic. And then they'll forget. They'll kind of don't talk about those ones where it went terribly wrong or you ended up, you know, having to chase people for money. Or like you say, you end up having to pay the debts because of somebody else's actions. But anyway, we didn't come here today to talk about miserable things like the ones that failed or anything else. But we are going to be talking about building a network. And for me, this is cornerstone to any business's success. Any brand, whether it's personal, I don't care what you're doing, if you want to be an influencer, if you want to have a Twitch channel, if you want to run a business, if you want to grow a retail business, all of these things come down to building a community and building a network. So can you tell me a little bit about what Soul Rich Woman does, and then maybe a little bit about how it got started more than anything else?
1: Well, Soul Rich Woman help women to go from offline to online, so to build their personal brand, to get clients and leads online. And last but not least, to establish the confidence and of course, to own and love the F word, which is being fabulous, having freedom, financial independence and a happy family. Because to us, our success looked different. So I don't want to define a success for the women. They will have to define the success for themselves. But soul-rich woman inherently means that soul, the soul in itself can be rich on the inside, and the outside. So when your mind, body, soul is aligned, everything else just moves. That's why it's called soul-rich woman. Now, we we help women to get there by using a few vehicles, uh, which is podcasting, live streaming, and online course creation. And of course, scaling their businesses through delegation and stuff like that. And we also look into how they kind of monetize their knowledge and all this with the help of the Soul Rich Woman Blueprint. So I got started when I was running my cafe retail chain business, in fact, because I was based in Indonesia. And I asked myself, I said, hey, how? what what am I supposed to do? Because I just felt a little bit empty, even though I was running a cafe retail chain. I had all the money and all the success and all the fame that I needed. But There was still something that was missing, which was my calling, which was my my real purpose. So during that time, it was kind of like a quiet voice that rose up within me and got me to turn on my microphone and camera once again to kind of stream. I do a lot of live streaming back in those days. And I used that as an opportunity to reach out to grow the community. So it's literally through consistency that I grew my community. And back in the day, it was called You Are Possible Academy. And that was interesting because that came from my book, which was Personal Branding Secrets, You Are Possible. But you see, when you have a community... You need to learn to listen. They told me, Hey, Jinisha, we are not connected with the name. You are possible academy. It sounds so school and so university. Can you have something different? So in 2015, I rebranded the entire brand and I changed it to Soul Rich Woman, making it into a pink logo, a circle and then soul. If you notice my logo, my soul word is the largest word amongst the three other words because soul when you have a soul that's where everything flows so that is what we represent and that is what we do
2: i think that's awesome and something that you mentioned there if you're growing a community and i don't care how big or small it is listen the same way as if you're growing a company listen to your customers to your suppliers to your team members again we talked about it earlier there is one leader there's one decision maker but listening for that feedback is so important. I mean, you know, you could have stuck with your your idea of what you thought it should be, but obviously changing this has had a really profound difference, right? You've grown this network now to a, a couple of hundred thousand, is it?
1: Yeah, we're at a two hundred and fifty
2: thousand now. Two hundred and fifty thousand now. And this is an incredible network. And where do you bring everyone together exactly?
1: Well, it is an online platform, so everybody just gathers there. But, you know, as per an online platform it is, sometimes there are people what we call the active. And of course, those that are still, you know, uh, sometimes break away to do their own stuff and then they come back again.
2: I think that's fantastic. So you're helping all of these women, and I'm guessing this is people all over the world, and you're helping them to find ways to monetize their, what they know and their knowledge base online. So is this mainly by doing things like courses and things like that? Or is it just to helping them identify opportunities in other lines of, uh, of online business as well?
1: We, we serve four groups of women. The first group are the full-time entrepreneurs. That means they either own a cafe retail chain, they own a, a, a studio, a fitness studio. So we, we work with people like that. Or solopreneurs who want to scale their business, like from being offline, they are trading time for money, to monetizing their knowledge and experience and expertise, to scaling up or delegating by building teams or putting in systems and processes. The second group of people we serve are the 9 to 5 employees with intention to quit. Intention to quit means that they already want to quit and they are just finding ways to make equal amount of money before they quit. So that's kind of sense of security. So that's one group. The second, the third group is nine to five employees with no intention to quit. They, they just don't want to quit. They, they don't want to do anything to quit. They want to build their personal brand. They want to monetize some of the influence and their knowledge as a thought leader. So that's why they come to us. The last group are what we call the stay at home moms. Quite interesting. I never expected this group to rise up, but they probably have been in the corporate world for many years. They they were not like oh they were not like like mums forever. They were like moms, corporate mums, working moms, and then later on because of something happened, they need to quit their jobs from their corporate life, and then they need to stay at home. So these are the stay at home moms whom we serve. They want to rise up once again because now their kids were sixteen. 17, 18, they're looking into ways where they can live their life once again and be continuous, I would say, role model to their children instead of being left behind. It's like, hey mom, I don't think you're so into the society these days. You're just staying at home and washing my plates and doing the chores and you don't know what's happening outside. So these are the women who don't want to be seen as the stay-at-home people who don't know anything. But in them, they have so much capability, there's so much talent, and so much passion. So yeah, these are the four groups of people we serve.
2: How are you continuing to grow your network? I'm guessing you're using a very similar blueprint to what you actually teach within the network. But how are you growing that network currently? Is it doing things like appearing on podcasts? I'm guessing has a, a good impact on this. But Can you give people an idea of what they could do as well to to try and grow their their community?
1: The fundamental thing is to be consistent before you talk about anything else. Because I think consistency, no matter what platform you're on, you're definitely going to grow. Even if you start with zero viewers, don't be afraid to keep posting. Even your TikTok videos, nobody's watching. You just got to keep going at it. Because only through consistency, which is tough because our social currency these days are based on the likes, based on shares, and based on views, right? But I want to assure you this, when you have database in your emails or database in your bank account, that is king. So I have come to a point where when you first build a network, you must have consistency. When people see you enough, give them an opportunity to opt into your content, either through an email or a phone number or something like that, in exchange to solve their one problem immediately. Last but not least, be authentic. Be who you are. And if they like you, they know you, they trust you, or they respect you, that's when you're going to have a network they're going to get referrals people are just going to introduce people to you if they love what you have for them because you must remember if you're not able to solve that one problem immediately for them through your content through your own ways that's when you know you're going to lose them because these days it's really noisy in the marketplace
2: I think again I agree with you completely consistency that's the biggest bane I've been running a digital agency now for 13 years, the number of times I've had clients say to me, no, no, video doesn't work for us. And I'll say, how many videos have you done? They'll say, well, we did the one uh, and we tried a Facebook live once and it didn't work. And you're like that. Well, it's not really how it works. And the consistency element is so, so important. We started this podcast two and a bit years ago. uh, And literally when we started it, it was an experiment we just wanted to see what it would take to set up and launch and record a podcast. So we started as a team and we pulled together six episodes and that was all it was. And since then, every week we have a new episode and every week, slowly but surely the numbers are growing and every month it grows a little bit more and it's fantastic to see what you can actually do. But you have to put in that effort. And I know people and I've helped people to launch podcasts where they've released the first five, six, seven episodes and then oh, this is quite like hard work, right? We've got to actually do something. We have to get in touch with people. We have to find potential guests. We have to promote the podcast afterwards. All of these things do take time. And I think that's one thing where people fall down is on the consistency and what you mentioned, authenticity. And I'd love your opinion on this. I think people confuse being who you are with being who they think the audience wants them to be. And I feel like too many people confuse this. Being who I am, I come across sometimes. So in the UK, I don't know if you've ever tried Marmite. Uh, it's, uh, It's when their advertising was fantastic. You either love Marmite or you hate Marmite. And I've been referred to as Marmite a few times in my life, professionally and personally, and I'm okay with that. But I'm very, very particular. I am who I am, but some people love that. Some people don't. And what I think a lot of people mistake is they try and please everyone. And what they end up doing is being so vanilla that nobody can relate to them. And that causes a much bigger problem, which is no one loves or hates them, but just people don't really care one way or the other. Do you find that happens quite a lot?
1: The only reason why this will happen, because the person do not understand their own values and their belief system. It's like, I will call you a panda. A panda means as a bear with black Round, furry fur around the eyes. You know, the China panda. But Singapore has panda too, okay? We loan them from China. But nevertheless, panda means that you are a bear that pleases everyone. In Mandarin, we call this Renai. Means everybody who loves, sees you, will, oh, you're so cute. And then that's it. <laughs> so it happens when you don't understand where you stand and who you are as a person. And the only reason why you don't have that is because you have not fully comprehend who you are, the purpose of what you, why you exist in this humanity, in this world. You know, what can you contribute with your voice, with your systems, your processes, with your brain juice? I think if you are able to find your footing or standing as an individual in this, where you stand in humanity, I think that in itself gives you at least a 1% advantage to not be a people pleaser, but rather be a person who is centred and then be able to speak your own voice.
2: I think it's quite a tough challenge for a lot of people though, in the sense of being self aware enough and working on yourself enough to like, be able to understand what you mentioned there, your core values, what your purpose is, what's your mission, what's your, I mean, to quote Simon Sinek, the title of his book, you know, Start with Why. There's a lot of people, you know, we talk to multiple businesses every week, new businesses that we've never spoken to before, and we'll often ask that question, you know, what's your why? And there are huge numbers of big companies, companies making good money that can't articulate who they are, their mission, vision, values. So I think for individuals, that must be quite a challenge. I'm guessing you help people to to kind of identify these things and to become more self-aware?
1: Definitely. I think the, the reason why I could arrive at this stage, Chris, was because I went through a stage when I was going through a lot of healing work. I do a lot of inner work uh, since 2006 And I went through different programs to really understand my life and who I am and what I stand for. Uh, So it's not not conscious to everybody. But why not I bring this model up? It's called the Joharis Window. Go Google it. Joharis Window simply means that what you don't know, you don't know. So how are you going to find ways to raise your awareness 1% just by moving into the unconscious, from conscious, unconscious to conscious part, so that you can work on it. I'm not asking you to transform your life immediately just like that. But how about that 1% every single day? You'll be aware in 365 days. So it's managing expectations of what society deem us as authentic versus of how we progress to live our life to the fullest potential and be present authentically.
2: That the 1% every day is huge. And when you give people the the actual numbers, 1% improvement every day for a year makes you 37 times better at the end of the year. So when you look at those numbers and you see the compounding effect, it really makes a difference. And it, it it's huge. The value is absolutely huge. And I do think that there is, there is still a challenge. Like you said, when you're going through that process, I've done a fair amount of, of this myself and, a lot of reading around the subject and understanding the psychology side of it as well, right? To understand who you are and what you want. And, and also to be honest with yourself, I think a lot of people find that hard to sit down and say, no, I hate this job or no, I don't ever want to work in this industry again, or no, what I really want to do is X. And I think people do find that a challenge. So even people that have started businesses, even businesses that are successful, Uh, I'm still amazed at the amount of people I meet that unfortunately aren't necessarily doing what really makes them happy at the same time. And it comes through. I think that's a, a big challenge for everybody.
1: It is indeed. I have to agree with that.
2: So, okay, let's talk about what people that are listening can do right now to help them with their networks and what they're trying to do in terms of growth. Can you give some of the ideas of what you did towards the beginning? You mentioned they're obviously, getting back into your lives and having some sort of a personal brand and things. But what are some of the techniques and tools that people can use right now to try and help them build a network?
1: List down the, I would say, 10, 20, even 30, 40, 50 people that is in your network right now. List them out, write them out, and then categorize them. Are they, uh, uh, are they people whom you... Are able to contact them and then maybe arrange a meeting to kind of kind of hang out and find out a little bit more what they do and then spark something from there. So I think that's that's one way. The other way I would say, so this is reaching into your current network, right? So the second way is to look into your social media, where what kind of content are you sharing? And then you can call for a, I would say, a peer-to-peer group. I think that was one way as well. And say, hey, I have this common topic in digital marketing, in specifically Facebook ads, optimizing that. Okay, so I'm looking for a group of people. Are we able to discuss and come in and chat about it? You know, something like that, a peer-to-peer group. And I think the third one, for me personally, I use this strategy a lot, is through mentors. So I have a few mentors, and it was through the mentors network that I grew my network as well. Because we want to be hanging out with people who are bigger than us. <laughs> because it is their positivity, their energy, their their they have so much more than what you have. And if you network with the people who are bigger than you, that's when you will grow, right? Even though it gets really, really uncomfortable (laughs) to be hanging out with them. So I think these are the key uh, strategies.
2: It comes back to the idea that we're the sum of the five people that we have around us. So the more people that you can actually spend time with and grow with, the better it is. And like you said, I can imagine it is remarkably more uncomfortable than sitting there and being the big fish in the small pond but moving and being the small pond small fish sorry in the big ponds makes a massive difference and that really changes things
1: and then you hear my mentors talking about you know the billions and the billions and the millions and then you're like okay all right mm, that billion is our one it it sounds like they are one dollar and it's like a million dollars to us so, and then you hear the investment portfolios and things like that. I'm like, wow, how is that even possible, right? You have never even seen it before, but you see it through their eyes, through their actions. And that's how you keep yourself excited and the fire burning, right? And and keep moving up.
2: I think it's good though as well for people because obviously it's nice to look at the, the ones who have really succeeded, right? The unicorn companies and things like that. But I think it's also really useful to look at the next stage. Who's the company that's one or two steps ahead of you? Who are the people that, you know, are just that little bit further ahead of you and where you're trying to get to and how are they doing that? Because I think otherwise it can. It's one of those things that we have mental blockages, right? If you say, how do I go from zero to a billion dollars revenue? I mean, Jesus, it's scary, right? It's too far. It's too big. But if you start with how do I go from zero to a thousand dollars, you can make that happen. And then going from 1,000 to 10,000, you can make that happen. And then go from 10,000 to 50,000 or 100,000, and so on and so forth. So, kind of breaking that down. Uh, And I do think as well that mentors, I think a lot of people are worried or scared of reaching out to try and find mentors, or even not understanding that potentially once you've had that little step of success, you can also be a mentor to somebody else and help pull them along from the steps that you were at maybe a year ago or whatever else. How do you? Or do you? Do you try and convince people, or do you try and encourage people to get involved with that side of things?
1: I do encourage people to either become a mentor or to find a mentor. I think it's just just two sides of it. I think finding a mentor, it's it's an art and science to it, right? First, you must be able to fully respect the person because a lot of times we find a mentor or find a coach is like kind of one year in and then the other year out. The other one is you must be able to see the result that your mentor have and then work towards it, right? And work with your mentor on it. The key thing, the role the mentor plays is to look at your blind side. Where are your blind spots? And are you be, are you able to be willing to open yourself up and be vulnerable? Be willing to ask for help and be able to move in that direction of the mentorship. To become a mentor, it's it takes courage as well. A lot of people have the belief that they can't do it, right? But you see, that's where the peer-to-peer or what we call the mastermind groups prevails. And that network in itself serves its purpose because when you can borrow courage from a group of people who are similar to where you're at and then you help someone who's just one step behind of you, it seems more, I would say, real as to what you said to a billion to a dollar, so it seems more easier to from a $1 dollar to a thousand. And that is what I always communicate with my women. It's like, I'm not teaching you to do passive income, a million dollars, right? Can you start earning your first dollar and then earn your first hundred? And then when you are able to collect passively or recurring income of a hundred, you move to a thousand, right? But you see, the marketing message out there is always like this. I can teach you how to make a million dollars. And then in your mind will be like, okay, I've got to find a network. i am got to build a network that has a million customers or I'm going to find a way to make my million dollars in i don't know a single month for example so so that gap needs to be filled with people who are going to be stages of your life where they are like ladders and steps to move you through a journey where every single step you move is a mindset change every single ladder you climb is a transformation so that process is an ongoing process that you must accept in order for you to move
2: it's challenging though and what you said there i often hate on this uh <laughs> Often I'm a bit of a hater when it comes to the online course industry as a whole. And it's not in a bad way or anything else. It's because, like you just said, what you see out there is this funnel will make you a million dollars whilst you sleep. Uh, And it will all happen in like six seconds or whatever after you've paid somebody $10,000. All the people that I know, all the people that I've met over the years, anyone who's had a successful business, whether they've sold it, whether they're still running it now or anything else, And even if now they're in a position, like you mentioned, you know, where they've got investment portfolios and everything else, they all had to work very, very hard. I don't believe there is any magic secret that you press a button and this filter goes live and you just make money. And I've worked with hundreds, I don't know, probably a thousand brands over the last 13 years. And again, the same thing is true. Most people are looking for this magic button that you suddenly turn on on the website settings, and boom, there you go. I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars every month, and I just sit back and it's great. I don't agree with that. And I think this is where people really fall down and they get burnt, I think, very quickly. So, you know, they try one of these courses, it turns out they didn't make a million dollars. And then they go, well, you know, the internet's crap, and, you know, online sales don't work, or websites don't work, or SEO doesn't work, or whatever it is that they've tried and that's failed. And I think that's a real saddening fact about the world that we live in, where people are just looking for that instant, I just want to press here and create cash, which just doesn't exist in my opinion.
1: There are more people buying The Secret and sitting on the couch watching The Secret versus people doing The Secret.
2: Well, this is. I always talk about the idea of being the old, um, when the first sort of gym started and gym membership, it was great. Basically, the way they made money was they would sell A 1,000 memberships, but only a 100 people would go to the gym. (laughs) So when you're looking at the numbers, you're like that, this is fantastic. People want to lose weight or get fit or be able to run or whatever it is. And they sign up to a gym, they spend the money, and then they go home. And like you said, they turn the TV on or whatever it is, relax. Uh, They're paying for the gym. So that counts, right? And then obviously don't see the results. But the gyms as a business model, it was fantastic. You're in a 12-month contract, even if you never come back. Thank you very much for your money.
1: Yeah, but I think a lot of times there are there are the different e- different reasons why they don't want to do the work. I think there's a lot of pain involved. That's one thing I discovered, pain about working hard. There is, there's this emotion part. If they work hard, there's some trigger response in their subconscious mind. The other piece will be family or people around them when they work hard to achieve their dreams why do you need to work so hard? Hey, come and relax, nine to five, balance family and life. So it's really who you hang out with that matters. And that's why you're right. Your network equals to your net worth. Your network equals to the asset that is above the neck. So where do you want to be? It's never just about who, who, what we know, really. It's who we know.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I always love the expression, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room.
1: Yeah, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I always go to a place that, huh? I don't know anything.
2: (laughs) But that's what we're looking for, right? You want to be challenged and you want to grow. And to do that, you have to be with the next set of people. Okay, so before we start thinking about wrapping up, is there any books other than yours, but you can give yours a plug as well if you'd like, but are there any books that you recommend that people read, especially if they're trying to set up their own business?
1: For me, I think one of the big books that uh, will be really looking into the blue ocean strategy, the red ocean strategy, I think this is something that needs to be educated because when we start, we think that it's this big ocean that we are in and we are the unicorn to be. But hey, if you understand how this entire process is going to be like, it's going to help you to position your company even better.
2: And just before we wrap up, where can people find you and how can people connect with you, Janisha?
1: Well, if you love today's episode, you can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok at Janisha Alora. And that is G-E-N-E-C-I-A-A-L-L-U-O-R-A. Janisha Allura. And if you love today's episode, I have two free gifts for you. Uh, Book number one, Secrets of Personal Branding, a book that I wrote. And number two is, how do you delegate 80% of your to-do list to your assistant so that you can focus on your zone of genius and make money online? And these are available for downloads at soulrichwoman.com. That's S-O-U-L-R-I-C-H-W-O-M-A-N.com, soulrichwoman.com.
2: Janisha, that's awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today.
1: Thank you and more power to you.
0: The All About Digital Marketing podcast is brought to you by Social Inc., a distributed digital marketing agency specialized in delivering results through online campaigns. Whether it's content marketing, social media marketing, online advertising or web design, we've got you covered from strategy through to delivery. If you're struggling with your digital marketing, get in touch today by simply visiting www.socialinc.com dot com